Y'all ready for some more rain? <laughs> God's in control, ain't he? He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly when to do it and how to do it, and, and that's who we put our trust in, amen? That's who we know is in control, and I'm thankful that he's in control because, boy, I'd have this world all kind of messed up, right? Sunny days, no snow. <laughs> Ain't no telling what we'd look like. Dried up plants and... You know, I start out in the spring really good, and I have a really good front yard with a bunch of stuff in it. But you get me about July, and everything starts dying and brown, and it just gets wore out, you know. But God is in control of the world, and he, He's been in control for a long time, ain't He? And ain't nothing ever changed. Spring, fall, summer, winter, it just keeps doing like it always does, because... He's that kind of God. He never stops doing what he does. Brian, thank you for the prayer. Uh, Mark, thank you for the reading. What a, a great kickoff to what I want to talk about this morning. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to skip a little bit and I'm going to catch us. I'm going to catch back up with the classes in Acts chapter 20. And I want us to look at verses 17 through 24. Where I preached from last week was in Acts 17, and we uh, talked about how Paul uh, goes up on Mars Hill, and these guys who wanted to hear these brand new things, these seekers of new stuff, they wanted to hear what Paul was talking about when he was talking about Jesus and the resurrection. And when they heard what he said, it said that some mocked him, some made fun of him, said, This is ridiculous. Some uh, said, maybe later I'll hear you. Maybe sometime in the future I'll listen to what you got to say. And then some became Christians. You know, it reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22. He said, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. What a mission Paul was on. What an encouragement we see from Paul and about how he went about and did uh, what he did despite all odds. You know, uh, getting, leading us up into Acts 20, uh, we see that Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla. And in Acts 18.8 it says, And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. And then we also hear about Apollos where Aquila and Priscilla hear him speak and they take him to the side and show him a more, uh, show him the way of God in a more accurate way and he becomes a Christian. And then we see in Acts 19, Paul sees some disciples of John and they become followers also. And I skipped a, uh, <clears throat> a lesson in Acts 20, verses 7 through 12 and I'll tell you why and this is just a little bit of humor. I hope you can laugh at it. I'm still working on my jokes, but this is something that I just thought was pretty interesting and, and got tickled on. There was a, a time where on the first day of the week, the, the disciples came together and they broke bread. Now, Paul preached until midnight. And what happened was there's this certain man and he sank into this deep sleep and he fell down from the third story and he died. So, 
I skipped this lesson because of two points. One directed at me and one maybe directed towards you. You have to answer this. The first was, there's a danger in preaching too long. The second is, there's a danger in falling asleep during the sermon. So there's kind of a, see, y'all didn't really like it. Sean, do you like that or what, man? Man, I thought I'd get more out of that. Yeah, I'm just having fun. But we see that this young man is brought back to life. He was dead and he's back to life. And from there, uh, Paul leaves Troas and he heads to Miletus. And this is where I want us to pick up in Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. He calls for the elders of the church. And the title of this lesson, as you can see, is I will not be moved. Moved. You can't move me. That's what I want us to get out of this lesson. And I hope as we walk out the doors today, we will be more encouraged with that thought. I will not be moved. Here was Paul leaving everybody and he's about to go back to Jerusalem. He's wanting to get back for the day of Pentecost. He, he passes over Ephesus, but he, he stops at Miletus and he calls for the elders of the church. In verse 25 of Acts 20, it says that Paul says that he will see their face no more. He's not going to see them again. He's not going to be there anymore. He's about to be gone and he will not see him anymore. So what does he do? He wants to give them something to remember and something to apply so that they can be successful in their lives as individual Christians and leaders in the church at Ephesus. And what's so cool about that is here we are today, thousands of years later, and we are still, I hope, going to gain some encouragement for our lives from this text. Man, the Bible is amazing. What an amazing book. I mean, years and years and years have gone by. There's been many a preachers who have probably preached on this lesson and encouraged other brethren, and I hope that I can just do it justice and encourage you just a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, while Paul is specifically talking to these elders, it would be easy for us to say that, you know, this area of Scripture doesn't really pertain to anyone else. That it, it only pertains to elders. Well, Paul says something very interesting in verse 24 as we begin to look at the context that I want us to think about. In verse 24, he says something Uh, in about the middle of the verse, and he says, so that I may finish my race with joy. Every one of us in here has a race that we run. Every one of us. This is something that Paul used a lot in Scripture to talk about the Christian life. And that's what uh, Jesus was talking about when he says in Revelations 2.10, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's what Jesus was talking about. You know, it's, it's real easy to obey the gospel and become a child of God and then stop. But that's not what our job as a Christian is. We have more to do. 
and especially from our Lord and Savior, He says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. The elders uh, have been given a job to do and that had become a part of their race as a Christian in this context. And we have elders here and that's a part of their walk is to be an elder. We have deacons, we have regular Christians, right? We all have a different type of walk. We all have a certain race that we have to run in order to find this crown of life in the end. Every single one of us. And this is a lot, but I want us to just think about this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. An imperishable crown. You know what that crown means? It means it'll never fade away. It never goes away. This verse is, is, is such a great setup for what we're going to look at this morning. And I pray that as we look at this, we can gain some nutrients and be able to apply it to our lives and help us to grow and not be moved when it comes to following the straight and narrow path. Let's read verse 17 and 18. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. I want to stop right there. Paul starts off by saying, You know me. You know me. You know, this comes up almost every week. This concept comes up almost every single week. And here it is again. When others see you, what do they see? If you were to say to somebody, you know me, what would they say in return? How's your faith? How is it in obedience to God's will? Do we just say one thing and then do the other? Are we just lip service but no action? Think about the concept of being moved from our walk as a faithful Christian. If I'm standing right here and I don't want to be moved, what am I going to do? I'm going to brace myself. The only person, well, I'm not going to say that because probably a lot of y'all can move me. But I would try to keep myself, I'm looking at Sean, <clears throat> And Carrie, I mean, I'm looking at the big guys. I'm trying to size them up to make sure I build so I can get low, right? But I'm not going to be moved. Blue. Paul says that he was not moved by these things that had happened to him. If we aren't living like we're supposed to be living, why is that? Why are we moved off of this straight and narrow path? What are those things that are uh, making us fall off of this path? What has caused us to become discouraged or not engaged spiritually to the Lord like we should? 
I want to see if we can answer these questions today. I want us to think about this first. Is it our mental state? Is it our mental state? Is it how we think? Think about Paul's mental state. Paul says that you know from the first day when I came to Asia the manner that I always lived. You know it. I don't have to tell you. You can see it and you know it. And if anybody asked, this is how I lived. I lived in such a way that was pleasing to God. Paul had mentally prepared himself to be successful as a Christian. He says, the manner I always lived among you. In the scripture I just read about the race that we run in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this later on in verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. And you want to know a great reminder of that? You want to know a great reminder to make sure that you discipline your body? It's what Mark said right here at the Lord's table. Our sin pinned Jesus on the cross. You. What you've done. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what a blessing that I've received from God. Why am I not trying to discipline my body and bring it into subjection so I'm obedient all the time? It's mental. It's up here. It's in your head. I want you to think about this verse right here. It says, you will keep him perfect in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. How do I mentally prepare myself to be successful when I live my life? Is I stay on the Lord. I stay on him. When I watch TV, when I'm playing basketball, when I'm at school, when I, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm at work, whether I'm bossing people around, whether I'm listening to the boss, whatever I do, I stay on the Lord. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace. You want to have peace in your life? Try it out. All the time, all day, every day. Stay on the Lord. How did he do it? Look at verse 19. How did Paul do this? He says, serving the Lord with all humility. We talked about this Sunday night. You remember David behaves wisely? Three different times in 1 Samuel 18, he behaved wisely. And I closed with this verse, and boy, this verse, has you ever had a verse that just goes with you everywhere you go? You can't get rid of it? You may even try to shake it off and it just stays with you? This verse has stayed with me. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. How was Paul mentally prepared? Because he had humbled himself. He knew he couldn't do it. He knew that he wasn't the one that was going to make the success. It was going to be from the Lord. Our minds have to be mentally focused on being the, on him 
in order for our life to be successful. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. If it's not a mental state, what else could it be? Is it an emotional state? What has caused us to become discouraged or not engaged spiritually to the Lord like we should? Is it our emotional state? Paul tells them that he served the Lord with all humility. And look what he says right after that. With many tears sorry, and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. With many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Think about that for a minute. Paul's people plotted against him. They tried to kill him. They tried to stone him. They tried to hurt him over and over again. Don't you think that's an emotional situation? Many tears... Many trials. Applying this to our lives, is there something going on in your life right now that is tough? Are we going through a situation that makes us emotional? Look at what the Bible says. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. It's going to happen. I wish it didn't have to, but it is. Tough times. We're all going to face tough situations in our lives. Maybe it's not a mental state that's causing you to be disengaged to the Lord. But maybe it's your emotions. Maybe the emotions are getting the best of you and they're discouraging you and you're saying, Lord, where you at? Where you at? Look at what the psalmist says right here. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed? You ever felt like it was too much? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Who do I draw close to? To the Lord. Here again, Paul shows us that even though he was faced with tears and trials, it didn't keep him from running his race. It didn't keep him from going to the one who was really there for him and for us also. Because look at verse 20. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. He says that he didn't keep nothing back. Even though he was getting persecuted, even though he was emotional, even though there was tough times going on, it didn't stop him from being helpful and doing the things that he was supposed to do. Not only did he teach it publicly, but he taught it from house to house, individually. Think about the contrast from Acts chapter 8, Paul, remember, known as Saul. As for Saul, he went to house to house back in the day too. 
He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This same guy that was dragging people off is now on the other side of this, being persecuted, being put in jail, being told he was a liar, that he's committing all kinds of sins against God, is now preaching from house to house Jesus and him crucified and the resurrection. No matter what he was faced with, he didn't stop continuing the mission. He was the same guy who in Acts 8 drugged people off, who now in Acts 20 is trying to save their soul. Look at verse 21. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he was preaching. That's what he was telling them. He's heading to Jerusalem. And he says he doesn't know what's going to happen. Look at verse 22. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now think about that. Think about if you knew that wherever you went, whatever city you went to, that chains and tribulations were going to await you. Would you go to the city? I probably wouldn't. Let me just be real honest. I hope I would. Boy, that's something to think about knowing I'm going to have chains and tribulations put on me. What a discouraging life, isn't it? What a terrible life to live. Knowing that chains and tribulations are going to meet you in every city. Why would someone who was on the other side of that decide to become a part of the side that gets persecuted? Because what Saul saw on that road that day, you remember he was blinded by light? He saw Jesus. Whatever he saw in that light changed who he was. It changed him and turned him completely around. So if we believe that the Bible is God's Word, we need to take heed to our lives And really put in perspective what's the most important thing. Running the race towards the eternal crown? Or running the race that perishes? What is it? Is it the race that leads to eternal life? Or is it the the race that runs to eternal damnation? We can't make our decisions off of emotions. We have to do what the Lord tells us to do in whatever we're faced with emotionally. If whatever the emotion is, if I know that it's contrary to God's word, I cannot do it. Tough situation. 
tough things that Paul continuously deals with. And here he is trying to uh, exhort these elders to encourage them because life is going to get tough for them also if it hadn't already. And the same application can be made for us today, brethren. But look at what he says in verse 24. But none of these things move me. When we realize what the Lord has done for us, that is a statement we all should have. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what goes on in my life. But these things will not move me. So what has caused us to become discouraged or not engaged spiritually to the Lord like we should? Is it your mental state? Is it your emotional state? Or is it your spiritual state? No matter what he was faced with, no matter what he was going through, his mind had been made up. Now watch this connection. His mind had been made up. He had mentally prepared himself to be pleasing to the Lord and by doing that it helped him in the tears and the trials. His emotional state then became okay because he was mentally okay. But in order for those states to be right, it starts with his spiritual state. He says, no matter the place, no matter the punishment, nothing will move me from serving the Lord. Nothing. Nothing will keep me from putting Him first because I know what I get from following Him. A straight path to heaven. Amen? A straight path to heaven. Man, don't you want to go to that place? Don't you want to go to that place, right? So look at verse 24. He says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He says, but none of these things move me. And then he says, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Now think about that. In your life, what's first, you or God? It's where the rubber meets the road. Here was Paul who had money, who was a Pharisee, who was on the right side of this persecution. And here he was choosing to be on the other side. That doesn't even make any sense in world thought. I mean, dude, why are you doing that, man? <laughs> you got it made. Because what he was doing was real. What he was doing was reality. What he was doing was the truth. And he understood that he could not do it by himself. So he says, nor do I count my life dear to myself. 
He's taking his will out of the equation and putting God's in. But that's scary for us, isn't it? We understand the concept, but it makes us feel like we lose our power, right? When we uh, give Him everything, when we give Him our desires, when we give Him our dreams, when we give Him our family, when we give these things over to the Lord, doesn't that scare us a little bit? It brings this fear in us. You know, I used to run the print press and I used to hate leaving my press when it was running so good. Why? Because of fear for the next shift. Because they was going to mess it up. They was going to tinker with everything and it was just going to be out of whack when I come back in. Like, really, man? It was running great. But there's a difference. When I give it over to God, He never messes up. He makes it better. However my path was, however good it was, it may be whatever, but when I give it over to God, guess what? He makes it absolutely straight. No bend. No angle. <laughs> I love it. Listen to this. Fear is no longer an issue. Fear is no longer an issue, brethren. When our will no longer counts. Think about that. Fear is no longer an issue when our will no longer counts. I want you to be encouraged by these verses right here as I close. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Paul says, so that I may finish my race with joy. He had persecution. He had trials. He had all these situations. But he says, I want to finish my race with joy. That word means cheerfulness, gladness, exceedingly grateful, full of joy. Paul's ministry was to go preach the gospel. He said he was a debtor to all in Romans 1. Everyone deserved to hear about the hope that was in him. So let's think about our race. How's it going? Are we moved? Have we been bumped to the side by Satan from the straight and the narrow path? Or does it even matter? Is it just the same old, same old every time? Just the same old boring stuff, right? What a great lesson for us to think about when running our race really counts. The situations that we go through, are they going to move us? We love Him because He first loved us. You want to know how you make your mental and your emotional and your spiritual state what it needs to be with this concept right here. He 
loves us. All the time. Before you were ever born, he loved you personally. Not just a group. He loved Matt Miller so much that he sent Jesus to take all my sins and pin them on the cross. When that matters, it changes who I am. It changed Paul from a persecutor to a saver. He gave him the way, the hope. Will it change us? Do we realize how much God loves us? If we do, then we'll be, uh, if we're not living the right way, we'll be ready to repent. If we're here and we're not a Christian, we should be ready to become a Christian. Don't wait. Jesus Christ could come back at any moment and it'll be too late to receive the love that he's given you, a free gift. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. That means saved forever and ever, eternal life. But you got to come forward, you got to do it, you got to want it. You got to desire to have your sins forgiven. But understand this, brethren, uh, friend, whoever's out there, God loves you so very much that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. That's the truth. Whatever you need, if you need to obey the gospel, thank you all for uh, listening to me. And I love you and appreciate you so very much. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand the same.